Hey, Bettys. Welcome to the Better Podcast. It's your host, Dr. Stephanie. It is geeky magic time where I step away from the interviews and just talk to you. It's just going to be me and you today. And these episodes, I'm going to bring you personal insights, frequently asked questions, topic du jour in a more condensed, quick, and actionable way. I go hard on the geek, wrap it up with sprinkles and magic for you to do and be better. Okay, Bettys, lots of questions coming in about the types of fasting, uh, just following last week's geeky magic on fasting and the holidays. So what I have decided to do to support you guys is to do a little mini series over the next few episodes on geeky magic on the different types of fasting. And we will talk about considerations like your menstrual cycle and how to sync up different types of fasts for the optimal time in your cycle. And of course, have a discussion around the desired effects that you are after. Like why, you know, the number one question you want to be answering when you are engaging in a fast is what is it that I actually want from this fast? Like, why am I going to do this, right? So if you if you don't know why you're going to do it, if it's just something trendy or, you know, you hear everybody talking about intermittent fasting or the benefits of it and you want a little piece of that, there are several outcomes that you can expect or that you can extract from a fast. So we want to really delineate between the different types of benefits. And that is going to help navigate the which fast you might engage in. And of course, if you are a woman, when you might do that in accordance with your menstrual cycle. Now, I talk about this quite a bit in my upcoming book, and I am almost ready to reveal it all to you, the name, the title of the book, all the good things. But I wanted to give you a little mini masterclass in here because I think that this is really, really important, especially as we come into the holiday season. So some of the benefits from fasting, there are many, 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 but some of the main ones is helping to repair a faulty digestion. So if you have digestive issues, so that could be anything from loose stool to constipation. That could be bloating and distension following meals. Uh, It could be irregular bowel movements. You know, giving your digestive system a break is going to allow for the reparation of the gut lining. That might be really beneficial and it might be in order for you. Weight loss is another big one that's touted for fasting. And if we think about it, you're not eating. So you are going to lose weight, but we want to be strategic about the type of weight that you lose. And if you know me for more than a minute, you know that I like fat loss more than any other type of loss. We don't want to be losing that precious muscle. We want to be selectively biasing for fat loss. And of course, there are many other benefits. One of the big ones that I often hear, both from men and women across the board, is mental clarity. So people will report that fasting will help bring clarity to an issue that maybe you're trying to solve. It brings about a new kind of sustainable, steady energy. And of course, physiologically, this is because you are in a state of ketosis and you are using a different substrate for energy, which is your 
uh, fatty acids, which go through this second pass in the liver to become ketone bodies. So it's a different type of energy people will report versus when you are in more of a glycolytic state and you're using glucose, uh, it, it feels different for people. And so we have mental, you know, we have these transcending mental breakthroughs, people are able to solve problems and this like energy, which is a really, really big deal for a lot of people, a lot of women who have been, you know, chemically depleted from pregnancy and lack of sleep and poor diet choices as they're raising kids. You know, it's important, you know, what we find is after 10, 15 years, women are like, God darn it, like I don't have the energy I used to. And, you know, we're told, oh, it's a part of aging. To which I say, horseshit, it's not. It's because we don't actually have really healthy mitochondria because we have been clanging them against the wall for so many years in the process of childbearing. So... Um, those are some of the main reasons. And, you know, for women as a general rule, we do not fare as well in long-term fasts like our male counterparts do. So for men, we see all aspects of health uh, skyrocket when men fast. So fertility and sleep and fat loss and all of the things, mitochondrial health. And women do not, when we are engaging in long-term fasts, I mean, we have to consider, there are many things we have to consider. One is our hormonal landscape. One is where we are in our reproductive years. And we are first and foremost across you know, all ages, we are much more defensive of our fat stores than men are. And you know, for 40 or so years, we have a menstrual cycle, right? And every single month, there is a bigger metabolic demand as a result of that menstrual cycle. Remember, ladies, we are every every single month, we are building out a new organ a new organ, right? And that is going to, by necessity, impart a greater metabolic demand on our system every single month. And this is why this sort of, you know, I, I, I go through this a lot in my book, but why this calories in, like eat less, exercise more, you know, messaging is so simple. Oh my goodness, it's so simple. And it doesn't take into account some of the complexities that, uh, we as beautiful women are, and even you know, honestly, even in in, in we are different woman to woman, right? So I'm a woman. If you're a woman listening, like you and I, we have the same body parts, girl. You know, like we got the same parts, right? But you and I are going to operate very differently. And even the same woman is going to operate differently depending on where she is in her cycle. So this hubris and this sort of overarching, well, you just got to eat less and exercise more. It's like, come over here, come closer so I can smack you because that's not how we are going to heal. So... I wanted to I wanted to start off our little mini series by talking about partial fasts, okay? Because they are gentler, they are going to help improve your fasting tolerance over time, and they're not quite as aggressive as a pure water fast. And I will say that there is a time and a place for a pure water fast if you are a woman, but we're going to and we'll discuss that in a later episode, but today I want to talk about partial fasts. And these are not true fasts in, you know, in the sense of the word where a fast is a complete abstinence from calories. A partial fast is 
you are consuming some measure of calories. Now, there are many... uh, This has been made popular by the fasting mimicking diet, which was made popular by Dr. Walter Longo and his company Prolon. I tend to group this type of fast. I call these caloric liquid fasts. So there are... you know, That might include bone broth fasting, herbal tea. You can have some coffee. Like There's still some calories that you're consuming, but I like to... And Walter Longo doesn't do this. Uh, He has like some solids in his fasting mimicking diet. But I really like caloric liquid fast. And that's what we're really going to talk about today is calories in liquid form. And this is... I'm going to be honest here, Betty's like my favorite type of fasts for a woman across the board, irrespective of her hormonal status. So irrespective of where she is in her menstrual cycle, irrespective of whether she's in her reproductive years or not, there is so much benefit to this caloric liquid fast. It is a form of caloric restriction. It is temporary and it has so many health benefits. So gut health, bone health, joint health, uh, mood, blood sugar regulation, mood improvement. And of course, I got to bring out the vein bits, right? Beautiful skin, hair and nails, right? So let's let's do a little deep dive. Let's go a little, let's have some, uh, let's, let's become a nerd army and let's go into this. So when we talk about why bone broth fasting or a caloric liquid fast might be appropriate. We want to look at the intestinal lining. So when we look at the intestinal wall, it is primarily made up of epithelial cells. And these epithelial cells have a relatively short life. They live somewhere between three to five days. Now, when we are consuming, when we are doing this caloric liquid fast, and maybe we're consuming bone broth, we know that bone broth is very rich in glutamine. And this is an amino acid that literally the intestinal epithelial cells will gobble up. Like think about Pac-Man gobbling up all those little dots, right? It is going to gobble up Um, glutamine and it is going to use that uh, glutamine and help in turn use that for energy. And of course, glutamine has been shown multiple times over to be able to improve uh, the intestinal wall. Really, really good for our digestion. Of course, for the skeleton, which is the you know, it's the it's your frame, right? It's the foundation for it is your backbone, right? Get it? Womp womp. Um, <laughs> you know, bone broth is going to provide some of the perfect ingredients for building badass, strong bones. So, in bone broth, we have calcium, we have phosphorus, we have the amino acids like the glutamine that I just mentioned. There's also glycine, uh, red and yellow marrow, and if you actually look at the vertebra, which is um, the bones that are in your spine, if you were to like zoom in with a microscope, you would see a particular type of bone. It's called trabecular bone, which is actually like just crisscross. It's like a matrix of crisscrossing. And in the spaces between those crisscrosses, we find red marrow, which is super important for red blood cell formation. And of course, you know, bone broth is really rich in... in, um, 
in red marrow as well. And bone, there's like two main types of bone. We have the cortical bone, which is on the, like if you look at an x-ray, you see sort of the white outline. Uh, that's your that's your cortical bone. But what we're talking about here is the internal bone. This is the trabecular, the cancellous bone. And this is actually when we're talking about, uh, I've, I've mentioned this before on a previous Geeky Magic, like I, I'm all for getting data in terms of how our bone, you know, the, our bone density, there's like bone density tests that we are often told to go and get. But what that's all that's looking at is it's looking at your cortical bone. It's actually looking at the outer portion of the bone. But a true measure, a true measure of your bone health literally is how far you can bend it before it snaps. So there is going to be an element, of course, of cortical bone integrity. But we're also here when we're talking about trabecular bone. That is the flexibility and the pliability there. Okay. So bone broth, excellent for your bones. Of course, it's also going to be good for your joints, your tendons, and your ligaments because of glumino... I will say this wrong. So you got to... I, I like G-A-G for short, for short, but glycosaminoglycans. Okay. So I'm trying to say that five times fast. Glycosaminoglycans. Um, and these are really important for connective tissue and synovial fluids. So gags or glumino... Uh, see, I said it wrong again. Glycosaminoglycans are important for proper joint lubrication. This is actually, just as a side note, this is like my worst fear realized is like looking at a medical term and pronouncing it wrong. There's like a, there's a skit, there's an SNL skit um, from, um, oh God, what's his name? He used to be on... um, uh, he used to be on the rock, but he would he would basically pronounce he was a doctor and he would pronounce everything. Alec Baldwin, Alec Baldwin. He would pr- he would pronounce everything wrong. So he would be like, "I'm sorry." Like he would go into a patient and he would say, "I'm sorry, you have canker in your anal canal." Like he would he would <laughs> pronounce her as like, "There's something in your esophagus." Like he would say everything wrong, and this is my worst nightmare realized is like being that doctor saying everything wrong, and I just did it. So. Anyways, I digress. So back to uh, glycosaminoglycans. So they allow for proper joint lubrication and pliability. So when we have lots of these gags in the synovial fluid, they are going to allow for the joint to glide. Okay, so it's going to... When we think about the cartilage and the sort of bubble that the a joint is basically two approximating bones, we are going to allow for glide of one bone across the other without pain. And this is what's going to facilitate range of motion, which is like, hello, that's what we want. You know, we want full range of motion right now. And of course, we want to preserve that as we age. We've all seen like the nonnos and the nonnas and the you know the grams and the the grams and the grandpas who their head is just like eternally stuck in flexion. And that's because they there's some, of course, there's some degradation of the vertebral column, but the glide, the bone glide is no longer there. So really, really important. Um, the other thing that's, you know, I mentioned um, glutamine. Glycine is also very rich in bone broth. Um, activates growth hormone, helps with muscle repair. Uh, it's often called the anti-aging um, amino acid. And it's also, it's involved in myoglobin. Um, myoglobin <laughs> oh my God, Alex Baldwin is in my head now. Myoglobin, myoglobin synthesis, which brings basically oxygen to um, muscle tissue, helps with maintaining sleep and acts as an inhibitory neurotransmitter. So 
very, very important effects on the body. And like, you know, I'm going to bring in the vein part because I have to. Um, as we age, of course, the amount of collagen and elastin that we produce declines. Our skin is going to be less bouncy, less firm. And when we are consuming collagen uh, through bone broth and other sources, it is going to uh, it is going to increase the natural amount of collagen and elastin that's available to you. So, um, if you are someone who likes to cook at home, as I am. Um, the way that you would maybe prepare a bone broth would be, I like to do it with chicken, but you could do it with any animal bone. So I basically will save, after I've cooked a chicken meal for my family, I'll save the carcass. Uh, so one or two chicken carcasses, you can also get chicken bones from your butcher. Uh, I throw that into a really large pot two onions, celery stock. Uh, I'll put carrots. Um, I all, I will also harvest. So any herbs that I grow over the summer, I harvest them. I will freeze them. So I will take like a wadge of, of parsley from that I've frozen from my summer garden, put that in the stock, add some apple cider vinegar. And for chicken in particular, I like to simmer it for at least two days because the bones are really small. So you want to be able to extract as much as you can, like the marrow, the phosphorus, the calcium, all that stuff. So I will I will let it simmer for like two days at least on low, either in a slow cooker or sort of in, you know, when I'm home, I'll allow it to simmer on the um on the hob, like on the on the stove top. And if you cannot stand the idea of this, if this is like, oh my God, I hate cooking, please no doc, please don't make me do this. Uh, I will put a link in the show notes for a bone broth company that I really like. I use them myself when I don't have time for like two days on the on the stovetop. The company's called Kettle and Fire. And I believe I have a discount there too. So I think it's 15% off of your first order or like 10% off of ongoing orders. So I'll give you the code there um, in the show notes as well. So back to this type of fasting. So it, this is amazing at any point in your menstrual cycle. So as a woman, we want to also be considering where we are in our cycle. This particular type of bone, the, the, the fasting, the caloric liquid fasting is great anytime in your menstrual cycle. I particularly love to employ this in the luteal phase in my women who have a tendency to get inflamed. Okay. So if you are somebody who gets moody and emotional, um, you're kind of bloated, distended, you know, you're holding water. I really love this as a, as a proxy for helping to, uh, to alleviate some of those symptoms. And Part of the reason why that's happening is in that second phase of your menstrual cycle, we call this the luteal phase. This is what happens. This is the hormonal environment after you ovulate is there is a hormone called progesterone. So progestation, pro-pregnancy. This is the main hormone of this luteal phase. And she will slow down digestion. She's going to slow down your bowel movements. Um, I like to think of her as this like super chill super relaxed, chilled out friend. Nothing bothers her. <laughs> if you've ever known someone like that, uh, that's progesterone, right? So we know that progesterone has a very calming effect on the brain. Uh, this is because allopregnanolone, which is a progesterone metabolite, is a GABA alpha receptor agonist, which means that the allopregnenolone is going to bind to the GABA receptor. And so when you have higher progesterone levels, your GABA function increases. So GABA is a neurotransmitter that is inhibitory. So this is like chilling you out, right? And of course, 
when you have decreased progesterone, that that can be linked to GABA dysfunction, right? And insufficient GABA, which is a neurotransmitter, as I mentioned, uh, has been associated with all sorts of anxiety, depression, sleep issues, and other other mood concerns. So the we tend to see this in later stage perimenopause uh, and into and into menopause, and it's important to to talk about progesterone here because it's incredibly neuroprotective. Progesterone increases BDNF, brain-derived neurotrophic factor, which is going to increase uh, nerve repair, you know, general brain repair, nerve cell repair. It's going to increase myelination, which is basically like the fatty coat around each nerve. And the way that nerves talk to each other is through something called um, action potential or polarization and depolarization and the quicker the signals will travel along the nerve faster when it is properly myelinated so it can get to that presynaptic uh, depolarization so it can tell the next nerve what it is that it's supposed to do. Of course, progesterone has been uh, also shown to limit like cellular necrosis and apoptosis, which is programmed cell death. And just a little clinical pearl here for my clinicians that are listening. When I was in clinical practice and I was dealing with concussion patients, because that happened all the time um, in clinic, I would always know, I would ask, if when it was a woman who came in with a concussion, I asked her where she was in her menstrual cycle. And she usually was like, why is this important? <laughs> like why? Like my head hurts. I banged my head. I can't sleep. What are you talking about? And what I would find at a rate of, you know, 95% is a woman who was in her follicular phase, meaning the first two weeks of her menstrual cycle. If she, I mean, there's no time that's a good time for a concussion, but if she was concussed in that follicular phase, she had the benefit of an upcoming two full weeks of progesterone. Right. So in her luteal phase, which is when progesterone peaks, um, her prognosis was always better than someone who was concussed in their luteal phase because that meant that, you know, that brain bath of progesterone was shorter, right? It was cut short. She didn't have the full two weeks and therefore often had worse outcomes. So, you know, like I said, there's never a good time to have a concussion, never. But if you're going to have one, try to have it in your follicular phase. Okay, uh, back to fasting. <laughs> I can go off on all these tangents. So I love fasting with bone broth, this nut, this caloric liquid fast in the luteal phase, particularly if you are someone who is dealing with inflammation, right? So if you are a woman in her late 30s, mid 40s, uh, you are at a time when you are likely to be estrogen dominant. And I bring this progesterone discussion into the mix because this is the time like late 30s you know early to mid 40s we start to see this stepwise attenuation of or this decline in progesterone so it, it has a tendency to leave you estrogen dominant in that um, luteal phase in that first part of perimenopause. And of course, we've talked about estrogen dominance in the past. I would check out E is for estrogen in my geeky magic series. But when we look at symptoms, if you are thinking you might be estrogen dominant, I'll just, I'll read you a couple of um, symptoms. I've created a compiled a list here for you. 
And if these are if these are very typical of what you experience in your luteal phase, then this might be an indication that bone broth fasting or caloric liquid fasting might be good for you. So here here's the list. So breast tenderness or breast fullness, okay? Which like this is a big no no for me. No breast tata, like no tenderness in your tatas ever. Uh, but if this is true, this may be an indication of estrogen dominance. Uh, you may notice that your libido, your sex drive, is is reduced. You may find that when you gain weight or you are experiencing weight gain, particularly in the hips, the thigh area, and in the bum region, so kind of the lower belly, hips, and thighs, when you do get your period, the the flow is quite heavy. So you're going to have this heavy, gobby, clotty menstrual flow. And then you know you might experience migraines, changes in mood with your cycle as well. Some women um, will also report hair loss. So they will say, you know, like my hair is changing, like it feels like it's thinning out and it's like brittle, not as soft and luscious and have those natural highlights for when uh, compared to when I was um, younger. Uh, The mood changes, of course, depression, anxiety, not feeling like yourself, bloating in the stomach, water retention in the hands and feet, changes to your bowel movements, reduced energy, changes to your sleeping pattern, like it, you know, feeling like you're overheating, feeling like you're an insomniac or the, the quality of your sleep is just changing. Um, and then for women who are just gaining weight, even though they haven't changed anything in their diet, it's like, how unfair, right? So if these are some of the symptoms that apply to you, then you may want to consider bone broth fasting in the luteal phase of your uh, cycle. And one of the ways that, and the reason why this is important is one of the ways that estrogen and her metabolites are cleared from the body is via the liver and the intestine. So the liver is going to go through phase one detox, it's going to go through conjugation. And then one of the ways that estrogen is eliminated is via the gut. So there is a way for us to help our estrogen dominance or I should say relative estrogen dominance by this caloric liquid fast. And of course, you know, the bone broth, as I mentioned, numerous gut healing effects, right? So it's going to help with the epithelial lining of the cell and it's going to help with this proper elimination of estrogen. Because when you naturally like increase your liquid intake, you are probably going to be pooping more often. Like, and that's how that's one of the ways we get rid of estrogen. And estrogen's golden rule is use it and then lose it, right? We don't want to continue to keep estrogen. If you don't have regular bowel movements, then it is possible for your body to take the estrogen out of the fecal matter that's sort of um, amalgamating in the gut and re and then reactivate it. So you're just going to have weight. So you got to be pooping every day. That's kind of number one. So, okay. I've given you my home recipe, right? Two days on the hob, two chicken carcasses, like a um, the Italians call it like a sofrito. So you have like the celery, the carrots, the onions. Um, what do the French call it? I should know this. It's called... Um, oh my goodness. Ah, I forget. Uh, I'll put it in the show notes, but that sort of combination of like onions, carrots, and celery, it's always like the base of any healthy stew, in this case, bone broth. So I love to do that. Or if you are just not the domestic goddess type, then you can just buy it. You can buy your happiness from uh, Kettle and Fire. Uh, And like I said, I'll I'll put that um, coupon link in there for the 15% off. 
And so we've talked about this as a type of fast. Um, for the length of fast, which is another way that you can kind of manipulate fasting, this is really highly dependent on your fasting tolerance, right? So um, I would say for most people, it's going to be easy for you to tuck into a 24-hour fast, right? It's because you're technically still eating once a day, right? If you start fasting from Sunday dinner, maybe you fast for 24 hours and then you consume your next meal, uh, like full um, solid meal at on Monday at Monday's dinner, but during that time, you know, from you know Sunday dinner, maybe you're not eating that much. You wake up Monday and then you consume bone broth through the day. You're still getting calories and you still have a meal in there every day. So it also shouldn't mess up for people who are on medication and need to take some medications require food. So you're still able to uh, you're still able to take your medication with food and then you have some calories coming in through the day for that bone broth fast. So in summary, <laughs> we like, I love, love, love bone broth fasting all times of our menstrual cycle. As ladies, this is so wonderful for helping with the reparation of the gut. It's going to help us look better. It's going to help us feel better. And it's going to help with the appropriate elimination of estrogen and her metabolites. So I will talk a little bit about water fasting next week. And we are going to talk about who it's appropriate for, how long it should be done, and how you can work your way up to it. Because it is more of an aggressive type of fast, but it can be incredibly useful as well. So I wanted to start off with this one, baby steps, Betty's, right? We always take like one step. I want, I would love for you to try a bone broth fast and maybe even just tag me on Instagram. I would love to see how you are being a Betty. So if you are making bone broth this week, tag me. I am... My handle is Dr. Stephanie Estima. And I would just love to repost it. I would love to see what you're doing and to see how your Betty lifestyle shows up in your life. So have a great one and I'll see you next week. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. For those of you who want to continue on this week's Geeky Magic Carpet Ride with me, visit bettershow.co forward slash show notes. You'll find research, links, summary notes, musings that I prepared in preparation for the podcast. And I often throw in some of my best practices, bonuses, and links. All the juicy bits are in there for you. And now for the obligatory legal and medical disclaimer. This podcast is for general information only, and the advice recommendations we discuss do not replace medicine, chiropractic, or any other primary healthcare provider's advice, treatment, or care. In the consumption of this podcast, there is no doctor-patient relationship formed, and the use and implementation of the information discussed are at the sole discretion of the listener. The information and opinions shared on this podcast are not intended to be a substitute for primary care, diagnosis, or treatment. This episode is brought to you by yours truly, Dr. Stephanie Estima and Leverage. Leverage handles all production, creates the images that you see on my social media, and takes out all my awkward pauses. They are my secret magic bullet. You can visit them at getleverage.com forward slash better.